0: Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Santander Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, James Roycroft-Davis and this week we are going to focus on men's health but in particular we're going to focus on men's mental health which is a theme that everybody is focusing on due to the pandemic this year This week, please check in on the men in your life. Under the age of 45, men are the most at-risk category for male suicide. It is the biggest cause of death in men under the age of 45, which is still, I think, one of the most frightening statistics I know, because there is such a huge amount we can all do to make sure men are looked after both physically and mentally. So, this week, please do one thing. Check in on the men in your life your husband, your boyfriend, your brother, your best friend. Pick up the phone to a male friend who you haven't spoken to in a while. Ask them how they are, but very important as well at this point, and something we discuss at length in this next episode. Ask them how they are mentally. It is one of the most important and also most meaningful things you can do for the men in your life, because who knows, a man in your life, could be struggling. They could be on the edge. They could be in a hole. And you asking that one question and going that little bit further could be the beginning of them coming out of their hole. This week, I am joined by two men, Damien and Reza, who some listeners may or may not know, but their stories, and I think their curiosity around their personal battles with mental health, is genuinely unbelievably inspiring. So, welcome to this week's episode of the Santander Mental Wellbeing Podcast. Welcome guys, welcome to the uh, the Santander Mental Wellbeing Podcast. How are
1: you? I'm well, thank you James. Thank you for uh, having us on the show.
2: No problem, no problem.
1: Damien, how are you?
2: I'm super great, James. Thank you for asking. You know, if we're on the back of a bank holiday weekend, the weather's been fantastic, although a bit sun-kissed, if that makes sense, and maybe I should have applied a bit more of the uh, suntan lotion over the weekend. Yes,
0: I would probably say so, um, but we can talk about that offline. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you very, very much for joining me. Um, I must say that having two very senior members of the Santander team talking about men's mental health on such an important week for, I suppose, the mental health movement. But in particular, the, what, 22,000-odd Santander? Is is it more? Um, I think it's around it's about that. Um, 22,000 Santander employees is just fantastic. So um, I want to ask you both to introduce yourselves um, with your your names your titles all the grandiose stuff and uh, and then we'll break it da- back down to more more human talk so um welcome reza
1: thank you so yes i'm reza atazada delighted to be on the show or the podcast as it is my first one actually so quite uh, an interesting experience so I'm the um, head of customer interactions at Santander, which covers the branch network contact centers and complaint operations, amongst other things. Um, I've been with the bank for nearly 20 years now and uh, had quite a variety of experiences through the organization and have had a really good experience through the years, uh, starting with corporate strategy, moving through to the product areas and working through various products. In the range, ultimately sitting across uh, all of the products, and then about four years ago, asked got asked to run the complaint operation alongside the product propositions. And two years ago, I took on the current role that I have, which is the head of customer interactions. Very nice, Damien.
2: So uh, yeah, thanks and thanks, James. It's great to be joined um, by you and Ressa today. So I'm Damien Sheba. So I'm the head of culture, inclusion, and experience. Um, here at santander so with my fantastic team and and hr colleagues and everyone across the organization we look at how we can shape an architect a thriving working place uh, workplace that really looks at you know how do we prioritize well-being support people across the organization and, and work in partnership with a number of teams across the hr area occupational health and safety our reward team benefits team um, but also um, our people leaders and, and our colleagues and how everyone can bring positive well-being day to day
0: how long have you both been at santander for
1: so i've been here 5 years yeah and as i said james i have been here over 20 years now I feel like uh, part of the furniture well, but that still, is still a enjoying long time it, it very that. much yeah
0: how has it changed since you've uh, you've you've been here in in particular how has the mental health conversation changed
1: well, I mean, the organisation's gone through uh, a significant amount of change. I mean, when I first joined, it was Abbey National. We were based out of Baker Street uh, head office branch um, originally, but then, you know, we back in two thousand and four, we were taken over by Santander, then integrated with uh, Alliance and Leicester and Bradford and Mingley not long after that. And uh, so, the organisation has gone through a lot of change, lots of cultural. Um, evolution, I would say, through that period as the, the world has changed as well. And in respect to the topic of mental well-being, I think that has probably come to the fore more recently in, in Santander's um, sort of history. I think we've been discussing it a lot more, I would say, over the past few years, not that long, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. It's a It's kind of one of those topics that I think... Kind of people knew in the back of their minds it was there as something that was important and something that needed to be uh, looked after, but not to the same degree as I would say physical well-being, where I think there's a there was a lot more going on about that. But I'm really pleased to see the progress the organisation is making. I'd say it's just a start. You know, we still have some way to go, but I think we've seen some fantastic progress over the last few years. Z- Few uh, years, culminating um, in an, uh, an award recently uh, for the um, the work that's been done in the organisation, so forth. So, as I say, plenty more to do, but fundamentally, great progress in the last few years.
0: Before we get into Damien's story, um, and actually, what I hope we're going to do here today, Damien, is for us both to share our experiences and and see how um how much we can we can explore that but um i just wanted to introduce men's mental health week because well it's men's health week but there's an, a focus this week on men's mental health which is uh brilliant um uh i, I think it's one of the most important weeks of the, of the of the uh of the male calendar given the uh the statistics around male suicide rates under the age of 45 and so the fact that we have um you guys on the show today um this will hopefully be listened to um a lot of awful lot of men and women um up and down the the organization the company is um brilliant and i I suppose when we look at men's mental health we often think of um men's mental health as this um battle with masculinity and um and I think that is never been m- more true. Because how do we look at masculinity as men? H- how do we, who uh, two men here who have um, who have uh, risen up the Santander ranks and are holding or or managing lots of people across the organisation, but How are we able to look at masculinity in a way which um, doesn't diminish mental health? And I think that's really, really important. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to introduce that because I think uh, this is such an important week to highlight awareness across the organisation, across the mental health spectrum as well for men, because everybody has their own story and mental health will touch everybody. I guarantee you all 7.2 billion people on this planet will have been touched at some stage by mental health. And I know, Reza, you've actually got your own personal story with a family member that we'll dive into. Again, highlighting, this does not stop um, um, here. This touches everybody. Um, Damien, you have had your um, uh, quite a a long history, um, as as, as I understand it, of mental health battles um that you've overcome but you've dipped back in um wh- where does your
2: story start yeah thanks james you know um, and, and it's really interesting you talked about masculinity and I'd love to delve a bit more into that because you know boys cry too is something that, that that we that we we are mm. seeing and, and 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 we want to really get across and and one of the things that I was reflecting on before this kind of podcast and how to share the story if you like in terms of that piece and so you know around about 10 years ago um i had probably one of the lowest and darkest times in in my life um and a part of that you know i i had quite deep suicidal thoughts um resulted in um writing um a note to my parents to tell them that i had enough of life this hopelessness and sadness definitely had overcome me and and the darkness um had really um uh, taken over my whole life um and 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 that point in my time of my life was probably one of the worst probably when i look over this over the last 10 years but it's also the one the brightest lights off the back of it as well because it shows the the way that actually with the right support and conversations and 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 actually overcoming those stigmas that that exist around men's mental health particularly around that you know men men don't open up about their feelings or share them um actually it is has been a light for me in a way that i knew now that i've got people around me who support me and, and and i can talk to and and it's been really interesting for me over the last year or so actually because the 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 covid19 pandemic has has brought out some of those feelings again actually you know i was living in london Um, in my bedroom by myself constantly, um, working, sleeping, living in this one room um, and not seeing family or friends being stuck, not being able to come home to Birmingham Um, and and really loneliness really set in Uh, at that time. I'm back home now in Birmingham, which I'm really pleased about um, and I'm going to see family and friends um, more often now. But, but, you know, recently, um, again, my mental health take took a, a kind of downward trajectory um, around that piece, which resulted in me having to go into the doctor, um, around that piece and talking very openly um, uh, with them around that part. Um, but you know, it's been what I describe as a roller coaster, what, probably, in mental health.
0: What does it feel like, knowing that you are, well, maybe not knowing is the wrong uh, the wrong word, but what does it feel like when you're in that downward spiral?
2: yeah I, I was trying to think before this podcast how to how to describe what this means and 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 one of the things i analogy that i had in my mind it's a bit like a jack-in-box if that makes mm. sense and 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 you know when you turn the handle of a jack-in-box and it suddenly pops out of nowhere and and i think actually if i think about how that feels if you think about the social isolation the loneliness the anxiety, the sadness, and uh, etc. Each of those parts of what you're feeling is turning the handle each time, and then suddenly pop. This kind of pops out, and and it, it, it overtakes you, and 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 overcomes you in a way that you don't expect it to. And, and I think Reso will agree with me. You know, I try to bring energy and happiness, and and fun in every conversation that I have. But also sometimes I think the brighter the light, the darker the shadow mm-hmm. um as well and and actually, for me, the shadow is particularly was particularly dark and started to emerge as particularly dark over the last year as well and and, and I think the my final reflection of what it feels like is it's just you just don't feel yourself you know you' it's like this inner turmoil of of you know that you're you're loved and you're wanted and that you're that you've got a great personality and you're great with what you do but you've got this kind of disconnect with what your mind's telling you day to day of of this emptiness and 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 darkness that overtakes that 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 you 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 have to try and find a way of coming out of it in in a way that's best Mm. for you
0: that's so interesting i'm the same you i recognize I'm I'm probably quite lucky that I haven't been in a in a real hole since maybe November last year, um, coinciding with taking medication actually, um, which has been changed my life and actually my girlfriend's life, um, because we're no longer um succumbing to these real dips and like these massive ebbs and flows in in mood and and, and understanding depression and anxiety, but it it really is this you you are aware of your surroundings you're aware of the people who are in your life who do love you but it doesn't matter because the blinkers are on and it is i i feel like it's like tunnel vision where um where i know all these people around me not rely on me but um they love me for who i am but until i i can actually understand that i i, I am loved and that there is life beyond um, the darkness. Um, unfortunately, I, I found it It got better with time. And when you're in the moment, it's like, I don't want time. I just want this to be better right now. Um, very, very interesting. How, how do you, um, do you talk about it with your
2: colleagues, Damien? You know, it's actually one of the strengths, I think. One of the things I'm proud about working in Santander is that I can have an open conversation right. with anyone. And, and I know, you know, while Reza's here, you know, he quite regularly pop over to my desk and try and square and have a chat. But even though we've not been in the office, you know, I know in my heart that I could drop him a message and go, Reza, you know, can I talk to you about something? And he'd be there straight yeah. away uh, in terms of that piece. And it's one of the things that I that I think is a key part of our culture is is how supportive and 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 how open people can be around having conversations on this and that's taken time for us as an organisation the launch of our mental well-being network Um, you know people talking more openly around these around the challenges that they have um, but, but also importantly as well that you know we're an organisation that deeply cares to one another as well and and I think I see that every day and we've seen that through the last year in how we've supported each other supported our customers but also supported um, uh, our, our mental well-being and what we do
0: interesting um, Reza you've got your own personal story of how um of how this is this has touched you right mm.
1: that's right James it's um uh, it's an interesting um thing mental well-being in the sense that it's not necessarily that well understood and you kind of um at least for me i used to push it to one side in terms of not really thinking too much about it and striving on and you know, with life and achieving the goals that I've set out for myself, and doing whatever activities that um, would would help me, particularly physical exercise or whatever, to to, to feel good about you know life in, in general. But having got closer to this, and uh, after Damien invited me to to be the sponsor of the Wellbeing Network, I did start thinking a little bit more about this topic and actually learning a lot more about the topic and it kind of brought back to my mind um, a situation that happened when i was uh, much younger you know probably seven eight years old not really huge understanding what's going on in the world but my Mm. mother i think i found out not not immediately many many years later that in fact my mother's brother had committed suicide back in iran And, um, it was kind of told to me, but it was, it was kind of fleetingly mentioned and not really talked about in a huge amount of detail. And, um, I kind of, uh, didn't think too much about it in the sense that I'd met my uncle, but I was much younger when I'd met him and, uh, and I couldn't quite understand it. And I didn't really attempt to understand it, to be honest with you. And... Now that um, I'm hearing more stories about mental well-being, I I can probably relate to the fact that he must have been going through quite a lot of mental turmoil at the time and not getting the necessary support that he he needed at the time to ultimately um, do what he did. He must he must have been in such a dark place, and uh, it just. made me think that it that we're all susceptible to this you know this is not about um you know the macho positioning of right this you know this is a problem that other people have it can affect all of us and it can affect family members that are close to us and so forth and trying to understand how you can help in that scenario is one that really has piqued my curiosity, I suppose, and interest in really understanding, you know, other people's experiences and understanding how we can help in that scenario as a leader in the organisation, knowing what we can do to support people that find themselves in these situations and avoiding this situation, if possible, through positive um, action in terms of addressing physical and mental wellbeing seems Seems such an important uh, thing to be doing, given that this is this is something that uh, is real. You know, this is not just a you know just because it can't be seen, it doesn't mean that it's not real. And um, effectively, I think now that I've heard more stories, Damien's story, your story, and others, you realise actually it it is quite prevalent. The, the need to ensure that we're supporting our, our friends, colleagues, but understanding how to do that in the best way possible is also uh, a key thing that we need to all evolve and learn about. And I learn every day new things about how people are addressing it, hearing the stories. I mean, Damien, I've heard Damien's story a couple of times now, and every time he tells it, I learn something new. And I think that's because he's reflecting on it. Mm. And trying to explain it and understand it so that others can help, but I'm really pleased that he feels that I'm the kind of person he can come and talk to if he ever needs to have a chat about it and i and I'd love to know what I can do and how I could help to to address this and support him through 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 the process and others.
0: What do you think Reza could do Damien um I suppose let, let, let's take take you back to a time where, yeah, you, you're you in a real hole and actually day to day you're working with colleagues. What can people do? What can Reza do as, as, a, as a leader in the business, um, but also what can managers do?
2: one of the things to one of the things to think about here is is how sometimes the the manifestation of of mental well-being and what you see in your teams and and one of the things i think for men in particular i think um and 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 i think and i reflect on my experience that sometimes we class stress is a mask for actually sadness and hopelessness and actually what we what we see in and and what we sometimes think as as men in particular that you know i'm stressed but actually is it that i'm feeling sad is it that i'm feeling lonely is it that i'm feeling hopeless in terms of how i'm feeling about my mental well-being and i think there's an important part for leaders and managers to recognize any changes in in behaviour in language in in patterns that they see from their team and 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 then to to really help and support that person by delving into how's your well-being is a strong question that we can ask not are you okay uh, is everything all right? Because I think you'll get a yes or a no answer. You know, how's your well-being is a question that every manager could ask and every leader could ask in every one-to-one. And if you get back a response of, oh, everything's okay, ask the question again. You no, know, tell me how's your well-being at the moment. I'm curious. I want to know more about how your well-being is. And I think asking the question twice is a way that creates even more deeper safety for people to open up and talk about that when that person open up opens up though what is it you want in some ways is we want someone to listen and is the most important part and to be Mm. there and 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 this is where and one of the things i've seen over the last year that has emerged really strong is empathetic leadership and and i think this is something that's become a strength for us at santander in in a sense that actually our leaders are now leading with more empathy and therefore creating a culture where people feel included they belong but also can speak up more around the the the, the challenges that mental well-being can be faced by people and, and 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 the other part as well is to recognize that you know mental well-being isn't a fluid scale there's there's no fixed point on on that scale of where someone might be you know someone might just be not okay that day mm-hmm. and might just want to have a really good open up around and you know, i'm feeling under pressure. This is what I'm feeling or it could be that someone is under um, further down the scale and is teetering on that need for, for an intervention, you know, through our wellbeing proposition and um, that we offer. So I think the the overarching piece for me, I think on this is, 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 is two things, one to be there in that moment that matters the most, to ask that question, how's your well being And then secondly, to listen, but listen with intent. And to listen with actually understanding and asking questions, that will allow that person to share how they're feeling and express how they're feeling, where and then be able to point them in the the source of support that that we offer as an organisation to help them through the wellbeing club through our our our, our thrive app, for example, through the mental wellbeing mm. network that's in place.
0: It's interesting because um. Your, so you, you you say, yeah, go one step further than just asking how you are. I, I have a slightly... Um, if people ask me uh, for my advice in terms of how should I approach this topic. I always say, um, yes, go one step further. But I slightly change the second question, which is, how are you mentally? And actually, that has proven quite um, fruitful because it immediately opens up this different sort of space, which is, right, actually, no, he's asking me about my mentality, my mental health versus, no, actually, how are you? They're both they're both very good, but I, I've found really good results with people saying, no, actually, h- how are you mentally? How are you doing mentally? Because people don't ask that question. You, you just don't. You just don't. No. It, it's, it's bizarre. But people don't actually just straight up ask, how are you mentally? Uh, and the other thing for me is uh, touching upon what more of what you said, Damien, is men's mental health. Mental health, the, the, the conversation, what goes on in people's heads, is often it's often quite a dark place, and for people who it, it can be. So for for people who who don't necessarily suffer to the level that other people do with with how they struggle. Yes, they might have a bad day, but a prolonged series of bad days over a period of two weeks is, is technically classified as depression. Um, it can go on a, a lot longer, as we both know Damien, um, and as, as Reza knows with, with his own personal um, his family story. But I I think for the people who are going to listen and be inquisitive, it's also when you are listening, don't don't shy away from um, from from the deep stuff because it's often when somebody's open up about the deep stuff, about the the really dark place it it can be a difficult listen it, it, it's not a comfortable place, but that is where actually a show of solidarity and yet yeah, empathy is. Is um is an interesting debate, and I know we had this debate on a, a o- offline the other day. But versus, I, I call it the sympathy and empathy debate. Um, you you, you called it something
2: else, Damien, didn't you? i did i can't remember i called it i think it was empathy i think it was empathy actually i think i I called it you know it's really interesting because when we think about men you know from a young age you know we see on on tv the the male role models are always the ones that are portrayed as the heroes or the ones that are the masculine types of where it is you know um you know you play with a certain type of toy you Mm you you know it's please don't cry it's girls who cry and things like this and there's and and i think over the last 10 years one of the things that i found in society but also organizations like us have done is to normalize conversations on men's mental health which i think is important so where we see you know the small in the smaller pieces of where people aren't okay and where sometimes those can start to manifest into larger mental well-being problems and moving along the scale further actually where where people can have those conversations early on to say you know i'm not okay today these are the reasons why i'm not okay i I think is important when we look at this this topic And, and leaders and managers being able to have those early conversations with people but also the tougher conversations like you say james around actually how do we really delve into when someone opens up to us about darkness around where they are and how we can point them to the right levels of support and tools and interventions to help them. Mm.
1: There are two um, two learnings here that um, I thought I'd share with you that I, you know from speaking with you both um, that I find really intriguing. One is, you know, by background and training or however however you want to put it. We, we look to solve problems, all of us through life. You know, a problem comes, we're faced with a problem, a challenge, and we look to mobilise uh, our efforts and fix the solution. And one thing that you're both saying is actually um, just listening is part of the solution, not necessarily having the answer mm-hmm. is yeah. going to be um, the right place to be at a certain point in time and just listening. And I find that quite... Uh, quite an interesting position to take because as someone that likes to fix things and problem solve that just feels like i'm being inadequate in supporting you both yeah
0: what what is the dilemma in your mind reza well
1: the thing is you're not solving the problem for the individual because by listening um they're saying well I, i feel really dark about this situation or i feel bad about that and you think well how can i make it better then you know what? Would what can I do to support you with making it better? And actually, uh, what you were saying at points is actually I don't need a solution. To be honest, I just need you to listen at this stage, because I don't think it's solvable either. I think that's what you were saying, James. Is it's not solvable at that particular point in time. No. And I need time to maybe assimilate the situation, and I'll it will come to me. But don't try mm. and rush to a solution because at this point in time, I just need you to listen.
0: I found it it was it was there were stages for me so when I was uh, really suffering this was the end of the end of 2019 when uh, through 2019 and then the early part of 2020 so uh, last year I was suicidal and the first part and the first stage was very much I just need somebody to listen because I don't think there's a solution right now But the fact that somebody was there and listening and I knew I had a couple of people who who didn't necessarily give me the answers, but were just kind of just there and just were looking out for me regardless was the first step in my recovery because it it forced me to talk and that was the most important thing i could do was talk about how i was feeling and try and verbalize it and and even if it didn't make sense it was just getting it out there and i always say on 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 my podcast the the rut talk even if it's to a wall or to your cat or to your dog anybody anything and then post listening post having that conversation with somebody it became clear that there was a solution but this took weeks. It took several hours of therapy. Uh, it, and that was one part of the solution. Um, and then the more the weight lifted, the more uh, solution-orientated I became. The more solution-orientated people around me became because they, start to, they they understood it better. They understood where I was coming from. Even if it didn't quite make sense, they could build a picture around how i was feeling i don't know if that was the same for you damien
2: i i think what's important with this one when i was listening to you both is one size doesn't fit mm. all with this approach is how i do this part and i think it's about one of the other parts for me as well with the conversation is how could asking the question how can i support you now um, and actually for that person say well actually i just need to, someone to talk to about how i'm feeling Well, actually if someone's coming to you for example to say well actually my workload at the moment is is proving to be stressful for me, actually, as a leader or manager, you have the gift to help them, support them, to say, right, let's sit down, let's coach you, let's look at actually how you're prioritizing, what's important, what's not. And this is where I think this, the scale of of mental wellbeing, the fluidity of this is important to understand when people start to show those behaviors or language or or, or you see it from people, the indicators, if you like, um, that that you have that conversation early on. But, but also recognise there is, there is no right conversation in terms of one to have, and it's about exploring with that person what what support do they want from you in that time, and then for you to know where to go to in some ways of of how can I help with that support, whether it just be listening, whether it be actually help let me help you with the, the demands of stress of, of the work at the moment, or it could be let me point you to the employee assistance programme, to the wellbeing hub, to to go and talk to one of the colleagues who might have experienced this to go and join the network. So um, so I think for me, I think it's the experience for me, if I, if I look back back in 2011, I think my challenge in that time for me was that I, I didn't feel safe to speak up because I didn't have anyone to support me in some ways that I, that I felt able to speak up in the organisation I was in and where I was. Um, but I think if I was to have that same experience now and have done recently in some ways, but not to the, the far right hand of the fluidity of scale, I think one of the things that I found of comfort here in Santander is that I've been able to speak up quite early about how I feel and then for someone to listen and then for someone to say, right, let's work mm-hmm. together on, on that solution. So I think it's about that understanding what does that person want from you in the, in the moment? Mm-hmm. And how do you ask that question to get that from them? How can I best support
0: you? In 2011, I'm quite interested in in this point, actually, because I think Reza will probably be as well. Um, Without naming names, Damien, what could they, the organisation, people have done differently or better back in 2011?
2: It, it, the organization i was in in 2011 was was one where we was very heavily focused on utilization of your time if that makes what, sense. what does that mean what does so, that mean so in, in terms of you know when you go and spend time with clients you would you recharge your time out to a client right. so your performance was measured on your your time that you spend in client-facing pieces to go and spend time with them um, and and so therefore I was targeted against a number of utilization days, if you like, of how we're going to do that. And the, the focus of the organisation was always on productivity, on on how actually people were 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 really um, really meeting those productivity targets. And, and I think in some ways that that caused as, as well pressure and stress, in that you're not meeting the 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 performance of what was expected, alongside then having um having this this time in my life that that having this darkness overcome me as well um I, I think as well the other part for me as well is that i think it was a very hierarchical organization in terms of the way it worked, and so speaking up in these moments probably wasn't as as regular and, and probably the narrative to well-being at the time across all society and organizations wasn't as of importance as it is now and what we felt through. Now, if I fast forward now to to where we are now in Santander, I think one of the things that is, is fantastic about the organization here is that we're fundamentally our people first. How do we? How do we? How do we? Really be an employee-centric organization, which then leads to being a customer-centric organization. Mm-hmm. So actually, when you get the best from your colleagues, you'll get your best from your customers. And and so therefore, and I'm not sure Reza will chip in in a second with his view around this of how he's built. Uh, what we what we know is a fantastic culture within customer interactions around supporting people. Therefore, to support customers, but, but I think actually. What what I find now is two key things is that culture, but also the narrative to the organisation around how we support wellbeing and having those tools, interventions and support in place where people can go to to get help and support when they need it.
0: Rosa, how's it been uh, building that around customer interactions?
1: So I, I think um, what Damien highlights uh, is over the last couple of years, really tried to... Um, build on the work and the foundation of others in customer interactions to build a, an environment where people feel a huge amount of pride in what they do so for me pride is a very important component of uh feeling i find that if you feel proud about something it's got all the positive uh, motivations and um, feelings associated with doing your job so if you start with that concept i thought how how do we generate an environment where people feel real pride in the organization to work and from there i I went into um thinking about you know our colleagues really wanting to come in and perform to the best of their abilities every day really need an environment where they're feeling like they're learning enjoying what they're doing And uh, so we kind of constructed something that really um, created a culture which centered around that concept of creating an environment where people could come in and be the best they could be and perform to the best of their abilities. And uh, that requires nurturing, coaching, support, all of those good aspects. And therefore, we created this, um, what I call a coaching culture, where as a leader, your job is um, to really act as a coach for an individual support, because it has a more supporting connotation rather than a hierarchical connotation. I'm I'm the leader. I manage uh, your attendance, your sickness, absence, and all this good stuff. So now I want it more more feeling like um, I suppose a support uh, a sporting environment where the coach is with it with the teams on the pitch watching mm. the game partaking where they can to support. So that's the coaching culture. And fundamentally, we do this to deliver a service that's second to none for our customers. And uh, so when Damien talks about the the productivity metrics and making assessments, I I think there's only one thing really that we really need to do is provide that service, help as many customers as we can and provide a service that's second to none whatever form it may need to take we all have a job and responsibility to do that and in that context um, multi-skilling our colleagues to be able to deal with different situations became an important component of the work that we did so all of this um, the narrative at the top which is deliver a service second to none and invest in yourself so that you can be the best you can be was all reality on the ground and that's what we tried to instill over the last 2 years still you know more work to do but fundamentally i think it's it's landed pretty well with the teams and uh we we've seen that in the feedback that we get and therefore uh i continue with the passion promote those two concepts which is come in i, I want you to feel energized every day coming into work so what can i do to help instill mm. that what can we as a team do to instill that and that's mm. uh, there's many things and mental well-being network is just one dimension there are many other um things that the organization does to support our colleagues in different circumstances and i think it all manifested itself in creating an environment and culture where people can thrive and that's what we continue to aspire to
0: Damien um you are leading the uh the well-being drive um yes. for want of a better phrase at the at Santander and i think from an outsider i obviously do not work or am employed by santander but i, I am i i think i'm relatively privileged that i'm a, in a very short space of time since we've started this podcast i've been able to um, dive in and out of various meetings, meet um, people across the organization and get a better understanding of how you are dealing with mental well-being in particular. And I, I think from my perspective as an outsider looking in, it's become abundantly clear that you are really driving this um, uh, this ambition to be the forefront, the the the, the flag bearers of mental well being for any other financial institution um, in the world, I would say right now, and that is one one thing that you you are really taking pride in. What is the future of mental well being at Santander? Where, where where do you want this to go, and and how are you going to help, in particular, men? um with their mental well-being in the future
2: you know it's really it's, it's interesting a couple of things that spring to mind we, we're still to see the impacts of the last year to mental well-being and come out of the the pandemic if you think you know over the last year each of us has been in fight or flight mode if you like in our brains over the last year and and that's been tiring for some people and also resulted in pressure definitely in, 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 in ways that, you know, we're trying to balance the, the need of staying safe from the coronavirus, balancing work sometimes, with parenting care and responsibilities, looking after your own well being. So I think one of the things that's going to be interesting for us in the future is, is how do we really understand the impacts over the last year and, and making sure that actually we're continuing to support colleagues across the organisation as, as we emerge, hopefully um into um some normality if you like formal normality um in terms of this piece but i think one of the things that i think i reflect on is that we've got a solid foundation and a solid proposition that's really going to help us to to do that at pace and quickness in terms of that piece i think for men's mental health i think um i think i would love to see more more of our more of our men talking about this Mm. i think you know as an organization when we focus quite rightly over the last few years on on gender diversity and what, what that's meant is how do we build allyship with men and how do we also um, build female representation at the top of the organization but also there's a there's something for me here about how can we help people to become allies to men for mental well-being as well and how how can we really get a a narrative in the organization that actually this is an area that we can really help to for for to for inclusion but also to normalize the conversation definitely because um again there there are also pressures on men in life you know in, in in terms of this piece and how do we help people to explain and talk about those those pressures more openly and and to support them with that and, and I think my third area for me for well-being, you know, you're right, James, you know, I'm so proud of what we've achieved over the last two to three years. And that's from everyone across the whole organisation, from our from our executive committee through to our leadership, through to our colleagues, our line managers, our our supporting teams across the organisation. And what we've done here in some ways is, is make sure that well-being is at our core of, of what it means to be part of Santander. And and my hope is that as we continue in the number of years ahead, that 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 maintains a core part of our employee value proposition, which I believe it will do, but also a core part of our culture, that actually we're an organization that really puts well-being at the heart of what we do uh, in in a way that helps us then therefore to help and support our customers that we serve each day um, through their needs.
0: Interesting. Um, Reza. I've actually asked, uh, I've asked this question again. I'm fortunate to be an outsider looking in. What do you think Santander could do better as an organisation?
1: I think, uh, you know, always recognise that we can improve on where we are, you know, so never think the job is done and always strive for um, supporting the colleagues in, in whatever aspect that they need help on and as, as we've got many networks that have been established across the piece so I can see the organizations continuing to move forward in terms of tackling the diverse um, challenges that are faced by society. In respect of mental well-being, I think as Damien says, you know, just as leaders uh, right the way through the organization, understanding mental well-being and how to respond and support our colleagues is something that not everyone is in a place where they are, I suppose, well-informed to be able to respond. And I include myself in that category. So I'm learning by the day, more and more from hearing people's stories, uh, being part of the mental wellbeing network, looking at some of the stories that are being told and trying to take snippets out of it to really improve my ability to to truly listen and also where support is required to be able to give that support. So that's where I think we need to continue to improve for me personally. And and as an organization, I, I know from the conversations that I've been having through the years that this is not a prevalent conversation or one that I've really heard much about. So, yeah, lots of great progress so far, but still for me, quite a long way to go because if I'm not mistaken, we have 3000 people that have signed up to the mental wellbeing network. And as you said, James, wow, at the start, that's, that's this an effect, awful lot. Of, it, that's all
0: sort of an awful lot of people.
1: It is. But as you said, 7.2 billion people will encounter this challenge at some point in their lives. And for us to be in a position to be able to support and enable more of our colleagues in this environment, I think it uh, shows that we have still a long way to go.
0: Damien, um, I want to finish this episode um, speaking to you as a um, a fellow sufferer, uh, somebody who's gone through a similar experience as I have um, in in that context and understanding if we can talk about the importance of men speaking up because it's Men's Mental Health Week, Men's Health Week, Men's Mental Health Week. What do you think the importance of speaking up is because from my i think it talking saves lives and it is that simple it really is um what what importance does it mean to uh, have to you
2: um i just got really emotional when you talked about that for some reason i don't know where it's come from but i do know where it's come from And, and 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 i don't think i'd be here today if i hadn't spoken up and talked about how i feel and and i know that where i was in in that point but also also where i've been over the last year at some points as well being able to talk about that so it doesn't become where i was 10 years ago actually um and and so i think the importance to me in men speaking up is is of the utmost importance because actually Everyone is loved by somebody, and and everybody is wanted by somebody, mm. and and actually, every one of us is unique and special and different in a way that we bring light and and positivity to the world, and 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 I think actually, everyone needs to know that you know there's always someone there that will listen, regardless if that would be you know even Samaritans or a, a helpline or even our leaders in the organisation or a colleague. I I I truly believe that ev- anyone that there is someone there for everyone that will listen if someone wants to talk a- about this, um, and and I think the more we can encourage people not to suffer in silence, um, and and to be be able to, particularly as men, to open up and break sometimes the stigma that's faced is it, really important. And you know the other one as well. We we should take also an intersectional lens with this as well. For example. There's much research around, for example, older gay men, for example, who experience a higher level of social isolation and, and depression and anxiety you know and 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 also for 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 men who who might have been through challenging times with their relationships and having to challenge with that within work and things like this. So I think there are different things that we need to think about with these lenses when we look at men 's mental health and how can we have and have a, a an opportunity for people to speak up and and to be really be open about how they're feeling is, is 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 very important
0: that's a um a really lovely way to finish um i will put the show notes the links to the mental wellbeing, uh, uh is it the mental wellbeing society
2: mental wellbeing network ne- uh, for uh, multiple mental wellbeing network is included the network. mental wellbeing
0: network i will make sure that i put all of the links to everything a Santander employee, whether male or female actually, need um, when it comes to um, taking control, responsibility and looking at the importance of mental well-being and and what Santander does in the show notes. Um, I'd love to finish actually by quickly just saying to anybody who is listening to this, whether you are male or female, the importance of talking is extraordinary. It may not seem, it may seem quite trivial, um, because there are other, there are other remedies out there, um, uh, that, uh, that are often talked about a lot, but in my personal experience, in Damien's personal experience, talking saved our lives, saved my life. Um, and there is nothing more important to start your recovery than talking. So if you are listening to this and you're struggling, please talk. Please, please talk. Um, Damien Reza, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank, thank you, James. No problem. It's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I just want to reiterate, it's absolutely fantastic to very senior leaders at, at Santander opening up and talking so openly about their mental health struggles but also their experiences and how mental health has has touched them so thank you both